the wisdom of God has ordained a way for the love of God to deliver us from the wrath of God without compromising the justice of God. That's the cross. Welcome to the Don't Knock It podcast, where we address misconceptions about Jesus' character, his church, and his word. By doing this, we hope to encourage you to delight in Christ before dismissing him, to know him before knocking him. I'm your host, Chris Ramirez, and this is the seventh installment of season four, The Hard Sayings of Jesus, specifically when Jesus says in Matthew chapter 10, fear him who destroys body and soul in hell. And to help me address this hard saying, I am joined by a dear friend, someone who has been a guest on the podcast already. One of the earlier episodes where we address what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 7, depart from me for I never knew you. Faithful brother in the family of God, Joshua Camper. How are you, bro? Oh, man, I'm blessed. Uh, So grateful for the opportunity to be on here again and, and discuss uh, biblical truths and, and namely, of course, the character of God. So that's, that's amazing. Thank you for having me. Yeah, I'm excited to have this conversation because um, you and I have had conversations about how to adequately exp- explain the concept of hell uh, to some of our students and how we can help rec- help them reconcile the idea of a loving God and this idea of what many people refuse to believe is eternal damnation. Right. Yes. And so... So we'll jump right into it in Matthew chapter 10. Our verse for today is verse 28, but I'll start at verse 26. So Matthew 10 verse 26 says, Therefore do not fear them, for there is nothing concealed that will not be revealed, or hidden that will not be known. What I tell you in the darkness, speak in the light, and what you hear whispered in your ear, proclaim upon the housetops. And then verse 28, do not fear those who kill the body, but are unable to kill the soul, but rather fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. Mm. My brother, Mm. you got a hefty one here. Yeah. (laughs) All right. So let's just get right into it. What, before we uh, address the concept of hell, let's address the fear of the Lord, right? Because Jesus in verse 28 says, do not fear those Mm -hmm. who kill the body. And are unable to kill the soul, but rather fear him who is able to, to destroy both in hell. And so a key concept that we have to address, and that many, many professing believers and non-believers kind of have a difficult time accepting, is this idea of fearing the Lord, fearing God. Right. Because we have this understanding that God is faithful, that he is loving. Right. That he, I mean, he, there's the analogy of him being a father. Yes. Right? So usually they have a difficult relationship with their father when it has to do with fearing him. Right? right? They yeah. fear telling him that they've done something wrong. They fear his judgment. They mm. fear um, not getting his approval. Right. Right? Any any sort of fear that we have towards our, our earthly fathers usually that has a negative connotation to it. Right. And so, brother, I just, I, my first question to you is, and I know that, that the entirety of scripture addresses this issue of fear of the Lord, but what does the Bible mean when it tells us, it commands us to fear the Lord? Right, right. Yeah, that's a, that's a great question and, um, and definitely a heavy one. Uh, and so, like, first thing when I think of fear, like, we think of intimidation. 
um, we think of like torment and dread. And and like growing up, you know, a lot of people are, are afraid of heights, right? So they don't go on airplanes, they don't go on air balloons, they don't go on roller coasters. Mm-hmm. Um, their fear of that object, person, or idea prevents them from doing certain things that have to do with that fear or phobia that they have. Um, some, you know, I feared spiders, right? <clears throat> and so um, some people fear failure, but mostly people fear public speaking and death the most, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so when we think of the idea of fear, we're like, it's 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 intimidating, um, it's dreadful, and it's torment. And so why in the world would we associate that with our Lord, right? And so what's interesting is what the Bible says, specifically in Psalm 111.10, it says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. All who follow his precepts gain rich understanding. His praise endures forever. And then in Job 28, 28, um, it says, And he said to man, Behold, the fear of the Lord, that is wisdom. And to turn away from evil is understanding. And so, like, what's interesting is the Bible has so much to say about fear when it comes to everything else except the Lord. And so what we can conclude, like, what fear means, it's actually twofold. And so the first fold is inward reverence, and it means to know God's character. What's interesting about that is, is Paul, um, in Romans 1, his, his, his great epistle to the Romans, mm-hmm. he, des- he, de- he describes the de-evolution of man in chapter 1, and he says, there was no fear of God before their eyes, neither were they thankful. And so what we can conclude is if you don't know God, if you're not born again, you'll never fear him right? Because you don't know him. And it brings to mind Pharaoh. When he, when, when Moses goes to him, he says, I don't know mm-hmm. this God. I don't care about what he's asking me to do. And so it has this idea of one inward reverence. When you know God and his character, there is a, a humility, a humbleness, and a reverence, meaning an awe for who he is. He's good. He's righteous. He's perfect. He's loving. He's just. He's light. And in him, there's no darkness at all. And so that tells us right there, this is someone who needs to be revered and held at a higher regard than anyone else, right? Secondly, it must, um, second, the second part is outward obedience. So us knowing him should result in us obeying him. Um, I was afraid of even getting close to cussing around my dad. Mm. I had such a good relationship with him mm. that, I didn't want to. Right. I didn't want to, but I was also afraid to. Right. I I, I had this like respect mm-hmm. and genuine fear. Right. Even even after being older, right? Like I I think I surpassed my dad's height um probably when I was f- probably 15, <laughs> 14, 15. Right. And so it wasn't a matter of of being afraid of him, you know, punishing me physically. It was more so like, hey, like I really don't want to do this around right. my dad. It right. was more so respect, mm-hmm. but that stem- that stemmed from knowing him mm-hmm. and being grateful for what he's done. Right, Absolutely. and that that kind of ties in with what you said yeah. about Romans yeah. one, where uh, verse twenty one yeah. for yep. even though they knew God, mm-hmm. they did not honor him as God or give thanks. Mm-hmm. So one of the things that really jumped out to me when you mentioned that is that they were ungrateful mm-hmm. as well. Yep. So it's not so much of it's not so much of just walking around, you know, tiptoeing on eggshells, right. knowing who's before you. Right. It's also being grateful. Absolutely. And I feel like I've start, I've begun to 
realize that, and obviously it's not cookie cutter. Right. Uh, salvation is not cookie cutter. For sure. But I began to realize that the moment someone is saved is the same moment that they have understood the grace of God. Right. Amen. And what pours out of that understanding is gratitude. Yes. It's it's unbelief, yep. right? It's like, yep. oh my goodness, I can't I can't believe right. God, you've been so good to me. Right. And that that heart of not unbelief, mm-hmm. right? Uh, but more so like disbelief, like right. oh my goodness, right. I can't believe it. But when you walk into that belief, mm. you're walking into you're walking with gratitude. Right. right. And so thank you for for really addressing the topic of fearing the Lord because it's it's pivotal. Right. It's absolutely for sure. essential for what Jesus says here in Matthew ten. Yes, absolutely. So, so now that we've addressed the the topic of the fear of the Lord, mm-hmm. what are some common rejections that you've heard to the biblical concept of hell? Actually, before we get into that, yeah. what is hell? Like, what what? Yeah. How would you define hell? Yeah. So hell hell would be a conscious place of eternal torment out of the presence of certain aspects of God's character, right? Okay. And we'll go into that you know, a little later, yeah. but um, it's a conscious place. Jesus, Jesus describes it as where there's gnashing and gashing of teeth, um, eternal torment, um, and your conscience, and you feel it. So like throughout scripture, it's explained as that. And so um, it's, it's also a place where the devil and his angels will be. Um, and so that is what the Bible gives us a description of, and it's not a, a myth. It's not like an idea. It's a real place. You know, and so that that's what the Bible tells us. Okay. So would it be enough to summarize it as uh eternal conscious torment? Absolutely. Okay. Yep. Sweet. All right. So what are what are some you've been a pastor for a while. Yeah. You've been a believer for a while, yeah. right? So uh what are some of the com- most common rejections that you've heard to this eternal conscious torment? Yeah. So um one of the main ones I hear is um it's just a scare tactic. Um, that hell is just a scare tactic to get people to obey God, right? Yeah. Um, and so they 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 have the belief system, and they use you know crusades. They use like the Christian crusades. They'll use um, slavery, like how people would use the Bible and and scare tactic to get people to obey. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's one of them. And uh, some would say hell is just a, a concept and not a real place. It's just an idea. Um, and then the third one I hear most is that why would a loving God, right, uh, all knowing, all powerful loving God, why would he send people to hell? And, and there's a lot of things wrong with that statement because there's there's some things untrue about that statement, you know, uh, that, that we can unpack. But just, yeah, those are the common rejections that okay. I hear. Yeah. Sweet thing. So would you mind unpacking that statement for a yeah. little bit? Yeah, yeah. So why would a loving, good, all-knowing God send people to hell? And and, and the, the answer is that is, yes, God is all-loving, all-knowing, but God is love and love gives choice, right? Mm-hmm. And so ultimately... What I love most about our God is that he leaves the decision up to us based off the information we have, hmm. right? So if I'm a born-again believer, you know, I know God in a, in a salvific state, right? But even um, Romans like 1 and 2 tells us that God reveals himself in creation and conscience. And so even through that, when I look up in the morning and I see all this creation, I know like there has to be a creator, right? When I When I have an inward morality in my heart that that I didn't conjure up myself, I know that there had to be a moral mind that gave it to me. And so that revelation in itself shows me the character of God. I would be held accountable for that revelation that I have, you know? Mm -hmm. So God is good, but he has to give choice because love 
has to have choice, right? So ultimately, whoever you follow is where you go. And so mm. hell was created for mm. the devil and his angels. And so God simply says, if you, I love the statement Jesus made, the Holy Spirit gave right now. He says, where I am, there my servants will be also, mm. right? And so it's the same with Satan. Where he is, there his servants will be also. And so we have a decision in this life. We can follow Satan and be exactly where he is, or we can follow Jesus and be exactly where he is. Um, you know, take your pick, red pill or blue pill, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you got a choice. Yeah. I, I love what you tell the students here where... You say, uh, I don't know exactly how you how you explain it, yeah. but I want you. I'll I'll bring up the phrase, and yeah. I, if you don't mind, would sure. you mind uh, explaining it? Is flowers, cards, and candy? Yeah, oh, that's man. one of my favorites. It's so good. Yeah. So I actually, I got it from Frank Turek. But uh, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, so I, I uh, Frank Turek uh, with um, uh, I think it's it's not standard reason. It's uh, cross examine. Um, cross examine. Right. Gave a, a wonderful analogy, and he kind of he put it in the frame of a romance story, mm-hmm. and compares it to like when you're in elementary school and you have a crush on someone, and then to express your love for them, like you'll your or your your affection for them, you'll send them flower cards and candy, right? And those are just evidences that you care for them, right? Mm-hmm. And you do it until you know they basically just say, okay, like I don't like you, I don't want you, I don't care for you, and then eventually. You stop sending them and you say, okay, well, now you're at the liberty of whoever else wants to show their affection. And so I tell the students that that God sends us flower cards and candy from Romans 1, 2, and 3 in creation, conscience, and Christ. And so God is constantly reaching out to us and showering us with these revelations uh, through creation, through our conscience, and through the gospel of Jesus Christ. So that one day when we stand before him, we will not be able to say, Lord, you didn't like me. Lord, you didn't pursue me. Lord, you didn't come after me, right? You didn't send me any gifts to show me you cared. No one will be able to say that, right? Because Jesus says, all who come to me, I will no wise cast out. So I love that analogy because it, it puts it into like, it is like a romance, like God loves us so much that he's literally done everything possible to get our attention except force us. Yeah. It you meant I love that analogy because it just it brought to remembrance uh, a few movies. I don't know if you've seen The Notebook. Yes, but yes. in The Notebook, um, Ryan Gosling's right. okay. character I forget, I forget I forget what his name, name in the too. movie it's been is. A while. Yeah, um, he goes off to war, or he gets drafted yeah. and goes yep. off to war, and he sends the girl Rachel McAdams uh, character yeah a letter mm. every day for a year. Mm. Right. And so when he comes back, there's like this obvious tension. And then she's like, why didn't you ever write or why? Mm. Like she's obviously super distraught and he's like super confused. And I'm like, what do you mean? I sent you a letter every day for Mm. a year. And her anger transferred from him to the one who kept those things from her, Absolutely, which was her mom who Mm. thought that she was doing the best thing for her. And so that reminds me of of the passage where Jesus says, anyone who causes my yes. ch- little ones mm-hmm. to stumble, yeah. be better mm-hmm. for them to be, uh, like have, a them, have a millstone yep. uh, tied around their neck and yes. be- them have them drowned in the, in the sea. Yeah. Wow. And so there's this seriousness of like, don't you dare hinder yes. those who I'm calling Absolutely. from receiving my flowers, cards yes. and candy, my creation or being uh, my creation the conscience yeah, and the and receiving the gospel. Yeah. Uh, awesome, man. Thank you for, for explaining. Yeah. That yeah. I love it. Yeah. Uh, it really helped me understand it more too. So yeah. Yeah. And, and I think it, I think it, 
it's the perfect explanation to anyone who has anyone who has difficulty reconciling a loving God right. with eternal torment. Yes, absolutely. Right. Sure. Not not only are people not going to have the audacity to say how could you right. right when they're standing before God for sure at that point they'll know right that actually yeah you you just yeah. refuse to accept me right right and before we transition um, one more thought final thought um mm-hmm. Romans one tells about it he says they'll I think it's Romans two they will be without excuse yeah right he cleared mm-hmm. the deck <laughs> you yep. know cleared the deck so I thought that was yeah it, you it was have relevant. no excuse yeah. sweet so as you alluded to earlier what I've heard I've I've almost been saved almost a decade oh, man. it'll praise be god. 10 years praise god. next october praise god it'll be it, it'll be nine years this mm, october but amen. it'll be 10 years next and i think i talked to carolyn about this earlier earlier this week i'm like hey i kind of want to it was october 29th yeah. october 29 2014 i kind of want to do something i want to celebrate it with yeah. you know with her and amen. irene mm. in a way because uh, it's, it's sometimes it's rare for believers to have a set date yeah. of when they were true. saved. So true. And so I, I talked to her about it earlier this week. I was like, hey, I would love, I would love for us to do something and celebrate it as if it was my birthday. Right. Amen. Right. Um, kind of is, right? Yeah. It, yeah. <laughs> it's my rebirthday. Yeah. Amen. Um, but uh, throughout being saved, throughout the, the several years that I've been saved, I've heard people, many people, and I'm not saying that they're you know, essentially wrong or that they're heretics or Mm -hmm. anything like that, because, you know, it's pretty common to describe hell this way. They describe hell as the absence of God. Right, right. And so can you help us unpack that phrase? Is it biblical? Mm -hmm. Is it, is it true? Because the, the moment it became questionable to me is the moment I heard someone say, no, it's the outpouring of wrath. Mm. It's the outpouring of God's wrath. Right. So right. he's not necessarily absent. Right. He's present in some way. So can you help us unpack that? Yeah. Yeah. No, that's a that's a great question. And and I love the fact that um God's word gives us all the truth. And so <clears throat> so when we think, okay, is hell really the absence of God? Well, Psalm 139. Mm-hmm. David says, like, where can I flee from your presence? Right. And yeah. he says, if I make my bed in hell, you are there. Mm. If I ascend into the heaven, you are there. If I go into the depths of the ocean, even there, your right hand will uphold me, right? So so we know, okay, God's um, omnipresent. He's present everywhere, right? But then you have 1 Thessalonians, and it says that, I don't know if it's chapter 4, I'm, not, I'm blanking on the chapter, but mm-hmm. it says that uh, people will be um, everlasting punishment away from the presence of the Lord. Oh, so that's probably where they get it. Right? So away from the presence of the Lord, right? So you have Psalm 139 says he's everywhere. Thessalonians says punishment will be away from the presence of the Lord. But Revelation 14 says you're tormented in the presence of the Lamb. Mm. So we know that Jesus said in John 10 that scriptures can't be broken. So here's what I believe we can conclude. God is present everywhere. However, those who are in hell, there is an absence of God's love, mercy, grace, forgiveness, um, and those attributes of God are not being poured out. They're not being offered. Hell is strictly reserved for the righteous judgment and wrath of God over sinners, right? So it, it wouldn't be accurate to say, oh, God is present, because when we think of the presence of God as believers, we're thinking of holy, righteous, loving, mm-hmm. merciful, right? When he talks about uh, Ephesians 2, right, is 
in the love which he has loved us, right? The, you're saved by grace through faith, right? We think of those attributes of God, right? So I, I think it's absence of the benevolent attributes of God, mm-hmm. right? If that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, and I don't know if this has to do anything with this, but right. um, this came to mind when you were explaining that that the two people or the two sets of people that will be in hell are those who, I think R.C. Sproul it described, I think R.C. Sproul was the one that kind of explained the two sets of people from the phrase, the weeping and gnashing of teeth. Right. The weeping, the weeping ones are going to be the ones who, who are just distraught, mm-hmm. who can't take the pain, right. who are just wailing, right? Yeah. And then the ones who are gnashing teeth, they're angry. They're angry at God. They're, mm-hmm. They have this disdain right. towards God. And I think media, and I can think of just a few shows, like talk shows and even sitcoms yeah. and award shows where they paint this picture of Satan with horns and a pitchfork. Right. Pitch right. Absolutely. And it's just glorified mm-hmm. song after song, award show after award show. Someone is always all in red. Right. You know, fires all around them, right. and they have people dancing around in these in these outfits, and it's just it's they they have uh, upside down crosses right. flashing on the screens, and so I don't know why that made me think of this, but what do you think about that? Like, do you think it, it's accurate to from that verse, the right. weeping of gnashing of teeth? Do you think it's accurate for us to be able to, uh, I guess, distinguish those two groups? Right. I mean, it could be, you know, the, the, the thing is, is that the Bible says we know in part and we see in part. And so mm-hmm. we see dimly through a mirror. And so we won't fully grasp like that reality part. Um, we see in revelation that they're angry. They're, mm-hmm. they're shaking their fist at God, even in judgment. Um, and then we see a little bit of picture in, in Luke 16, right? Where, where he's like, yo, can I get a drop to cool my tongue? Mm-hmm. And that's, that spoke of the phys- physical torments of hell that he's like, Oh man, like this hurts the yeah. pain of hell, right? So we do see kind of like uh, a picture of two distinct um, examples of weeping. Like why? Like I don't want to. Like this is torment. This mm-hmm. hurts. Um, it's hot. It's burning. And then the oh, I hate you. And my, I'm shaking my fist at you. Even if you pour out your judgment, I'm still gonna hate you. You do see um, a picture of that describing the Bible of those two distinct people. So I would, I, I think we could Im- conclude that that's a, that's a, that's a possibility, mm. you know, sadly. Yeah. Hey guys, around this time in the recording of the podcast, we started experiencing some technical difficulties. And so I'm just going to sum up what was talked about and what Joshua ended up addressing as his closing thoughts. So first off, it is noteworthy that in both of the Gospels, immediately after the warning that the condemnation of God is to be feared in this passage, comes the encouragement that the protecting love of God is to be trusted. The God who takes note of the fall of a single sparrow knows every hair of his children's heads. I also mentioned how the the pastor at our church, Pastor Dave, often says phrases like, you can't threaten me with heaven, and the worst thing man can do to me is the best thing for me. Obviously addressing how the desire for heaven, seeing Jesus face to face, 
and how ultimately the fear of the Lord extinguishes all other earthly fears and threats. Joshua then makes a wonderful point that with Jesus making the comparison between those who can only destroy the body and God who can destroy both body and soul in hell, Jesus is putting God the Father in his rightful place above everything and everyone. He is forever on the throne. And then he closed out with this idea of being fearless in the face of opposition by quoting the Apostle Paul out of Philippians 1. For to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. And then Hebrews 2 verse 3. How will we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? So listener, listen closely. You may think that you don't deserve forgiveness after all you've done. And that's exactly right. No one deserves forgiveness. If we deserved it, we wouldn't need it. That's the point of grace. On the cross, Jesus experienced the hell we deserve so that for eternity we can experience the heaven we don't deserve. In Mark 8, Jesus asks a haunting question. He says, What good is it for a man to gain the whole world yet forfeit his soul? Or what can a man give in exchange for his soul? Friends and family, the price has been paid. But still, we must choose. Like any gift, forgiveness can be offered, but it isn't ours until we choose to receive it. A convicted criminal can be offered a pardon by the governor, but if he or she rejects the pardon, it's not valid. A pardon must be accepted. Similarly, Christ offers each of us the gift of forgiveness and eternal life, but just because the offer is made doesn't make it ours. To have it, we must choose to accept it. When we wake up with that empty feeling, the ache of disappointment, that pit in our stomachs, we know that that what we're really longing for is something no earthly apartment can live up to. We long for heaven, even if all the hopes we have of in our lives here on earth are never within our grasp. We know that something so much more beautiful, fulfilling, and wonderful is waiting for us on the other side. And even if we were to somehow manage to achieve everything we can put our hands and minds to on this earth, it would all pale in comparison with the absolute ecstasy of being fully enveloped in the love of God forever. And listener, you can know that today. You can. Trust and believe in the Son of God, Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins and embrace what, and embrace what He has accomplished on your behalf. That is the same Son of God that we are asking you, imploring you, to delight in before dismissing, to know Him before knocking Him. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of the Don't Knock It podcast. If you want to know more about the podcast, you can find us on Instagram and Twitter. If you listen on Spotify, make sure you follow and and click the bell icon to get notifications of new episodes and subscribe to get access to exclusive ones if you feel led to do so. If you listen on Apple Podcasts, it would be awesome if you could rate and review the show if you haven't already. Thank you all for listening. I'm your host, Chris Ramirez. Grace and peace, family.